0: Hey everybody, welcome to Making It. This is episode 66, and I'm Bob Claggett, here with David Picciuto. Hey, I'm first this week. Yeah, and Jimmy
1: Duresta. Hello guys, how are you? Doing well, how are you
0: guys? Very good.
1: Good. back. I'm exhausted, but I'm back.
0: Tell us about Atlanta.
1: I drove there with Dave, and uh, we got there. I I was going to go there and get there on Saturday morning, but Taylor took my class, and so I was able to skip town. Thursday night. So Dave and I left town Thursday night at about 10 o'clock and we got to the show. We drove directly to the show. We didn't even go to the, ho- to. we didn't even book a hotel till we got there. So as soon as we hit Atlanta, we drove directly to the, to the, the center. It was like an old Walmart that if you could imagine the size and the layout, a huge parking lot in front and like a, something, it was probably like an old Walmart or an old Kmart or something, which is now this sort of show center. And it, uh, it was it was actually pretty convenient because you hit town and you go to these big convention centers. They're either like in a hotel or in a part of town where it's impossible to park. This thing was great because it was like a giant parking lot right in front. You parked your car and you went inside. And of course, all weekend long, I was spending money on tools, so I kept walking back to my car and putting tools in the back. So <laughs> <laughs> it made it, it made it convenient for that reason alone. But it was really great. We we hit town on uh, we got into the convention about two o'clock on. Friday spent the whole day there. Friday all day. Saturday and then about uh, I guess the all day Sunday, but it ended it ended at about two or three o'clock on Sunday. But it was great. You guys were missed. Everybody was asking about the both of you, and uh, we had a lot of fun. There was a big turnout, as at least as big, if not probably bigger than when we were all together in September. Hmm. And there's immediately talk about doing something else. A lot of new YouTubers were there, and a lot of new fans that were you know local to the to the event, and a lot of fans that came from. Everywhere I, I got to the point where I started asking everybody how long did you drive, and I just assumed in, early in the event that people were local, but as I started to realize, people came from Wisconsin, people came from Missouri, people came from. There was a, one of the YouTubers uh, was there from uh, New Jersey, Mike uh, Mike's Woodshop. Um, it was, it was a lot of people. A lot of people drove, and uh, a lot of fans drove great distances, and it was very heartwarming to meet all the people and. Hear all the wonderful stories about how all of us, you know, you guys, everybody, as a group, is so warm and welcoming, and happy to answer questions, and happy to talk and communicate. And they're like, I can't believe, like, I email you and you email me back. I'm like, <laughs> that's the way of the world. It's called communication. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's really nice to hear that you know we all make a difference. And it was it was really super super sweet. A lot of little kids met some very young kids. And some old guys, you know, old guys that are now getting into the craft and, you know, understanding YouTube and understanding how to access content online. It's great to see some of these guys get outside the box, you know, where you would, we all know old people that don't even have an email and here are these guys that are learning online. So it's, it's just amazing. All walks of life and all cultures is really fantastic.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I was bummed to have missed it.
1: Yep. You know, and a lot of people are like, yeah. where's Bob? Isn't he the closest one to this place? I said, he has, he has some family <laughs> stuff going on. I, I, I covered for you. Yeah. But a lot yeah. of people are like, how I, come Bob's not here? Doesn't he live like two hours from here? Yeah, I got a lot of that. A lot of emails
0: and stuff over the weekend. I got, yeah, my d-
1: I said, he's got stuff with the kids, and they are like, oh, oh, okay, sorry, sorry.
0: Yeah. Daughter's birthday yep. takes priority over That's right. a bunch of bearded dudes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's but true. But yeah, I did, I did miss it. Um, so I don't know if anybody saw pictures and stuff from the weekend. You were actually there, you were
1: there in a silhouetted format. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The best picture. The best picture I think of you ever. I said, did you Photoshop that? I had to take a double look at that picture to see if that was really (laughs) your expression or not.
0: So anybody who didn't see this, there were, um, our friend Josh printed out, he was joking about this beforehand and then he actually did it. He printed out um, a full size, almost full size cutout of me and since I couldn't go and took it for people to take pictures with
1: <laughs> from, but he, from but, the chest up. So it actually worked quite a bit for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. But he ended up doing two of them. So the first one was like all normal. I was, it was a picture of me taking a picture with somebody else. So I was smiling and, you know, looking at the camera and stuff. And then this other one was, um, me making this really crazy face. So, <laughs> and the, <laughs> somebody was asking where that face came from. So I thought I would just say it here. So I have this, uh, kind of tradition of anytime I'm in a wedding, with any of my friends and we go to do the wedding pictures, you know, they, they do the like, okay, go stand with the, with the uh, groom, you know, and take your picture, like each one of the the groomsmen. And so I always at the last second throw like the craziest face I can possibly come up with. And that's a crazy one. That was one of them. (laughs) So there are many, many more, but Mm. yeah, that's what that was. (laughs) And what's funny is the other person in that picture is making and equally as bad face as that, but he got cut out. So he didn't shunt.
1: <laughs> The funniest is um, Welder right there in the corner. He photobombed. He didn't know it. <laughs>
0: so. so anyway, that's where that picture came from. There were some good ones. But uh, yeah, I was really sad to have missed it. Just didn't work out this weekend.
1: And uh, there was a great, there was a guy selling, um, PowerMatic was there. So it was nice. A couple of the, uh, the, you know, the tool companies came over and recognized what we've all been up to. And I didn't strike any deals at the show. But I made some friends and uh, a lot of people are noticing, you know, they're noticing mm-hmm. the impact that we're all making and the community is making. And it's funny. And I happen to hear Nick, uh, Nick Ferry talking to one of the show organizers at the at the end of the day. And, and the guy said, you guys made a great impact. It's been it was a great, great weekend. So it was nice. It was nice. The show is yeah. much more crowded overall than the one we were at. Remember the one we were at? We were just we was kind of crowded in our corner of the floor. And it wasn't much else crowded. But this show was very crowded. There was guys selling tools, showing tools, showing techniques. I ended up buying a dovetail jig. So I ended up buying a ton of stuff. Uh, so yeah, so I looked at a couple of different do- dovetail jigs while I was there. And I have a couple that I never used because I never had the whole kit at once. I you know, got them handed down to me. So I I broke down and I bought a kit. So I'm going to experiment with that. It looks like it works fairly easily. So. I'm gonna figure out ways to screw up dovetails and get people mad at me for <laughs> making dovetails. So, aluminum dovetails. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. Wow, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Ali G when he pitches Ronald, uh, Donald Trump about making a glove for for ice cream, and Don, Donald Trump predicts that he's gonna make triple ice cream, and all of a sudden, Ali G's like, "For real? That, that's genius." That, that, that wasn't my idea, but, but that's a great idea. Like, he gets <laughs> off his game because all of a sudden he's, his idea is better than his pitch. But <laughs> you got to look at it. No, but uh, yeah, I bought some antique tools I'm going to incorporate into a couple of upcoming videos, and uh, it was great. It was, it was great. It's just, like I said, it's just great to hear the feedback that, you know, the, the difference that the community is making in a lot of lives. So, hmm.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that is the most, I and mean, we've talked about this many times, I think, but one of the most rewarding things is hearing stories like that and getting messages. I got two um, letters today in my P.O. box that were just really kind and encouraging, you know, like, I mean, I'm not going to read them, but they're just, that stuff is really warming to get, mm-hmm. um, you know, makes a lot of things worthwhile doing, so. Yeah. Um, to, have you been working on anything or did, have you just been, I guess you've been traveling for I've been traveling, days, yeah, right?
1: we drove and then we drove home. I got home yesterday morning, uh, which was yesterday morning, was Monday morning. And then, uh, I got to town and Nick Offerman is in town for some business and he invited me to the Colbert show. So I was going to work all night last night and I ended up going to the Colbert show spontaneously <laughs> me and Taylor went to And sh- he mentioned you, right? He did. Yeah. Which was really crazy. And, Wait, uh, what? it's funny. He didn't mention yeah. me personally. He didn't mention me by my full name. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't have to I talk to you my guys. Friend, said my friend Jimmy. No, Nick, <laughs> Nick said my friend Jimmy, but I just, a fan sent it to me again. So I watched it. He sent me a link to it. So I watched it again and and he goes, he goes, uh I made this boat and he showed the boat and it happened to be, I said to tell, I go, that's the lucky boy. And he goes, he goes, oh, this is a boat I made for my friend Jimmy. It's called the lucky boy. And he goes, Jim, Jimmy, and he, like he was about to say, Jimmy who? And But he said, Jimmy's a lucky man. And he said, yes, he is. He's a very lucky man. And uh, then they just went. And then Stephen Colbert pulled up a picture of a boat he made. And the audience Mm -hmm. laughed because it looks a little, looks like a fiberglass. Like, you ever see the guys online that make the boat out of one sheet of plywood? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It looked like that kind of kit. And everybody giggled. And he goes, that wasn't intended for anybody to laugh at. (laughs) 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 It was a funny, awkward moment. And uh, yeah, so you got to check it out. It's definitely worth a, a joke. Anyway, so yeah, no, the, it was fun, and uh, after the show we hung out, went out for dinner. So it's good to hang out with Nick, who I don't see that often. So it was cool, and uh, so and then I just got a job moved to next week, thankfully, because I've been up since six this morning trying to make sure I can knock things off my list. So in the afternoon, one of my jobs got one of my delivery dates got moved to Monday. So thankfully, I, I'm that alleviates a little bit of pressure. But I have to deliver my core video soon. And I have to make a video for my channel, which I'm in the middle of like four different videos, and nothing's coming together. So I gotta, I gotta get on it. So I was like, on my channel, it's been I've been like on vacation, but I promise to get something up soon. Make some more signs. Actually, that's the next video I have in place, but I want to wait till something different comes in place. <laughs> I could put a sign up in a couple of days, but I'm gonna wait. I'd rather take a week off than put up another sign.
2: So I am working on the the upcycle, the clock that I picked up at the antique store a few weeks ago, and it's a a different approach for me because usually I plan everything out and go by plans, and for this, I'm winging it and designing as I go. Hmm. It's not a method I enjoy doing too much, but it's hard to plan this out because I'm working with something that has to fit into something else, so... I didn't even know what the outside of it was going to look like until I broke apart the the plastic case, and so I am using I am just using all materials that I have laying around. I have some old uh, guitar amp grill cloth that I am using on the front of it and reshaping it and doing that, and then I hope to I hope to have that out on Thursday. So if you are listening to this on Friday, it came out yesterday. <laughs> uh, and we then do the, time <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I, I plan on doing something fun and wacky with my Jimmy Dow. Nice. so that's that's next up in the queue, I think. And I could totally destroy it, and it could
1: not work at all. Did you mm. see? Uh, did you see that Wes Wayne made it in chocolate?
2: Yes. Yeah,
1: Smithing. Yeah, he made me want to. He's like, I want you to bite the huddle. So I took a couple of bites out of the thing, a couple of different times throughout the weekend, and then today <laughs> I emptied my truck out. I was loaded with junk. So at seven this morning, I emptied my truck out. And so now it's like 1030. I still haven't gotten a coffee or breakfast at all. And I'm starving. So I, I ate the legs off of the, the Jimmy doll and my. <laughs> I needed to eat something. So I was going to. I'm so hungry. I ate my legs. Yeah. I was going to try and save it, but it's just going to melt. So I'm slowly chipping yeah. away at it like an Easter bunny that's like frozen in the refrigerator. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You're so delicious. Thank you. He, he made a couple of them. He actually made some with peanut butter inside. So, at the show, uh, he came over to me, and with my, my ice pick, I chipped it apart, and he was going around feeding it to everybody. It
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I got to figure out something to do with mine as well. Um, I got the, un- you got the un- unpainted one, David? I got the painted one. Oh, okay. I got the unpainted one. I want to do something interesting, but I, you know, also non-destructive. Like, I don't want to just oh, destroy my, it. I'm destroying mine,
2: of- but I'm mm. hoping that it's destroyed in a... In a cool way, we'll see. <laughs> I, Jim, got ca- I have some I got- questions for you after the show.
1: Okay, I got a million emails to go through uh, since I haven't been checking my emails over the weekend. But I, n- I vaguely remember something maybe from Carlos or one of Carlos's employees where they're going to send me about 60 or 70 undone ones with like various problems. So they're going to give me a bunch that... I- I'm surprised they sent them over from where they were made in the Orient. But he's going to send me a whole bunch just to have, you know, hmm. to cut up and play with. So I'll have a bunch of... Uh, randomly unpainted damaged ones so nice awesome to cut up and make stuff out of.
2: well um
0: i don't know when i'm going to get to that but i've been working on several things uh like i said my daughter's birthday was this weekend so we've had family in town we've been doing lots of you know stuff around that actually totally unrelated well related to that but totally unrelated to what we normally talk about on the show i went to a trampoline park the other day Mm -hmm. so much fun
1: Oh, I, I saw on the way home, Dave and I stopped at a flea market, and there was this trampoline thing where people were wearing, like, waistband things so they could jump and spin and land back on it more. Oh. So oh, man. I don't know if that's, if that's what you're talking about.
0: No, this was like a warehouse, like a huge warehouse, and almost, I don't know, probably 75% of the floor were trampolines.
1: How, mu- how much, what percentage of the floor is devoted to broken bone repair? <laughs> yep,
2: yeah, my friend Erica, who I just <laughs> had breakfast with. This past weekend, she just blew her knee out. She's going to be on crutches for the next six weeks from a trampoline. Ooh, gosh. <laughs> that's, that's, well, well, it was fun.
0: <laughs> Either way. Yeah. You know, there's like foam pits and you know all sorts of stuff. It was a lot of fun. We took the kids. And then, of course, I paid for all the kids. And I was like, if I'm going to pay several hundred dollars for kids to jump on trampolines, I'm going to do it as well. So I did. It was fun. But yeah. So anyway, I uh, did that. I've been working on some other stuff Um Finished up by the time this show goes out, um, video for my, my next video will be up and it's making a water balloon cannon for my kids. So they have like a, a playset in the back, and I made a little bungee cord driven cannon, and they can pull these things back and launch water balloons. So,
1: yeah. did you have you seen that? A uh, water balloon is a water balloon thing online. Look up, look up water balloon in the face where there's, it's like some sort of competition show. It's actually, it was like a reality show where people were shooting water balloons off of the big giant slingshots and uh, the girl who's shooting it, it somehow it, it hit it directly in the face. Like the, Ooh. it was either the, the one shooting it or the one like right near the water balloon hit it direct, like at the end of the, the elastic, it hit it directly in the face and the balloon exploded in the face. So just to, in case you want to, you know, some safety regulations, it's so. all. Nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I toned this one down so it doesn't shoot far or very hard or anything. So yeah, they you know, had like eight foot that. surgical tubing, you know, that's, that's how it oh, that yeah. was
1: the light, you know, it was a real crazy whack. Yeah,
0: no, this was, and I, this thing had to be, I wanted it to be fairly safe, but also it has to be, uh, it doesn't need enough pressure so that my kids can actually physically pull it back. You know, if you make it too tight, then they can't even use it. So that would defeat the purpose. But anyway, so I did that. And then I've been, uh, just working on some other stuff, trying to get ahead. I'm trying to get several videos going at the same time so I can start to do some bigger projects again, you know, so I'm trying to stack up a few weeks, uh, ahead of time. And then I've got a couple big things that I want to get to that are just going to take a lot of time. So, but that's what I'm doing. Um, also, before we actually get into like talking about stuff, uh, this weekend. So, if you're listening to this on Friday, tomorrow, I will be in New Orleans at the Mini Maker Fair, and I'm doing a talk oh, yeah, there. Right. Yeah, so it's going to be Saturday the 9th. Um, so, anybody that's in town, I'd love to hang out. Come tell Cameron share. I said hello. I will. I will.
1: I will be. I will be uh, at a uh, at Virginia Beach. I'm going to Norfolk uh, Saturday Friday night. I'm going to go to a friend's party, but I'll be at a a bar, like an open bar. I don't know where exactly, but when I get there, I'll tweet. So if any fans are in Virginia, they want to hang out. I'll be at this particular bar somewhere in town.
0: Nice. My buddy um, BJ lives there, and uh, yeah, I might tell him to come out and meet you. Good guy.
1: Cool. Yeah, I'll I'll tweet about that that night once I know exactly where it is. Cool.
0: Um, Also... Since we're talking about Maker Faires and stuff, I want to remind everybody that the three of us are going to be at Maker Faire Bay Area in May. What's the date? May 20... 22, I think. Something. twenties. Anyway, it's on their website. And we'll (laughs) talk about it closer to time. But anyway, we're all going to be there uh, for that weekend and we're going to do some sort of a talk. And then I'm sure we're going to try to do like a meetup or something, you know, in town in San Mateo uh, after the fair. Yeah, because there's a lot of people last year we met a lot of awesome people and so like to do something out there so yeah lots of maker fairing this year um one more thing before we get into talking today i want to thank our patreon people i want to go ahead and do it now um especially make build modify elijah taylor dominic DeFino, john cornwell luis gonzalez and jeremy white um we, I, we were talking about this offline earlier, but, like, we just had to pay taxes and stuff for this podcast. <laughs> and so the fact that people support us and give us money to talk about this stuff, you know, is pretty awesome because it helps us pay taxes. <laughs> so, so thank you. Uh, yeah, but thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. It's awesome. Um, all right. So we got some topics today that have been sent in over the last, I don't know, weeks, few weeks. And several small ones, but I think we can get through them. Uh, Make Build Modify is one of our patrons I was just talking about. He asked, um, if we had any input on a CAD platform, that would be worth the time to invest and learn. We probably have different answers here, but I'm curious what you guys think. David, what do you think?
2: Um, I'm kind of confused on what CAD is. So I think Uh,
0: probably, I mean, CAD stands for Computer Aided Design. So yeah, I think he's probably talking like 3D design, okay. SketchUp type stuff.
2: I, I use SketchUp. I've tried to use others, but they've all really confused me. Even SketchUp confuses me because their key commands are completely different than every other program in the world. And they keep taking away features with updates to put it in their paid pro um, mm. version of it. But um, I use SketchUp because it works very well for woodworking projects. And so I use that, and it helps me fill the gaps. If I know something is going to be X wide and X tall, uh, as I'm putting the new pieces into whatever the final product is going to be, it it calculates everything for me. So I know exactly how much wood I need, or uh, I can make all you know my cuts right up front and assemble things pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I would say... It- I would say in general, it depends on what you want to be doing, right? I mean, as to which product to get. That's probably the case with all software questions. But I think if you're doing like woodworking, SketchUp is probably the most uh, simple to get into. And you're right. They have been taking away features as they, you know, they want to get you to buy the really expensive. It's like 700 bucks or something. Yeah. Yeah. versus the free one. But at the same time, it also supports plugins. So a lot of the functions that have been removed um, also have been reproduced as plugins. And so you can add some of that stuff back through those plugins.
1: Do you? Do either of you guys use Fusion 360 from... Uh, who's it from? I can't remember who it's from. Autodesk. Autodesk, Autodesk, Autodesk yeah. Yeah.
2: I've toyed with it, but no.
1: Because apparently, I have a friend who is a big advocate, a big user. Every time I go to his shop, he's got it up on the screen and he's flipping around his future work show me what he's working on. And I downloaded it at his encouragement and I've been playing around with it. I'm not very good at it at all, but I've been going through some of the tutorials, which I need to get back on. I kind of got off track, but with that program, you can go directly to G code for a lot of different stuff. So a lot of people Mm -hmm. say it's great and it's totally free. And as far as I know, I don't know, is there another version of it that you need to buy? I think whatever you download is what is, is the full thing.
0: There's um, – I think you get the first year free and then after that you have to decide whether <coughs> you want to continue as like a professional or as a hobbyist. Oh. And then the hobbyist is f- free. So you can get it indefinitely free. Oh. Um, but I think it's, you know, depending on if you're going to be using it in kind of a corporate setting or a production setting or something.
1: Well, uh, one, one thing uh, that many people uh, don't know about my, my – well, it's not even a big deal to try and make it sound like it's a big deal. I, I learned Maya for many years. I was actually taking Maya – because uh, at school, I can go to school for free. My my school, I can take classes for free. So I was taking Maya for almost three years in a row. And I got really good at it. And then I just literally just stopped using it because I couldn't afford to use it outside of class. Because at right. the time, the program was so expensive. This is 15 years ago. So I was never able to get a, my hands on a version of the program. Because even the student's version was like six, five or $6,000 at the time. So I literally just completely stopped using it. And hence, I completely unlearned it. So now when I get into like a SketchUp or when I get into Fusion 360, it's, I'm coming at it from complete zero. None of the, mm. none of the information stuck. So I, mm. I have a very hard time with the program. It was easy for me because I was working with a teacher. I had the same teacher for those few years, and he constantly was able to answer questions quickly, and the projects we were doing were in class setting on the school's computers. So it was it's, uh, it's difficult for me to get back into it, but I'm trying. I'm trying yeah. to do the tutorials.
0: Yeah, I think maybe if you have no experience with any of that 3D stuff, jumping into something like Fusion 360 might be tough in that same way. You know, it's just like it's language that you don't understand. So, like, how can you talk to somebody? Um, not, not impossible, but you're going to have a hard time. I think jumping into something like SketchUp as a first step is probably... A bit simpler. I know Jay Bates has a lot of really fantastic SketchUp tutorials that can kind of help you get the ball rolling, especially if you're just going to be doing basic woodworking, dimensional lumber type stuff, but even past that. um, But so I I looked at Fusion 360 as well when I was looking for uh, modeling software for 3D printing. And so I looked at a bunch of different stuff focused specifically on 3D printing. And the thing, kind of like you said, the thing about 360 Fusion 360 is that it's one application made to serve a lot of purposes. So you can model in there and then you can model for CNC, you can model for 3d printing, you can model for, you know, like bigger milling operations and like all these different production stuff that you're going to do with a 3d model. You can kind of create it there and then output whatever your output is. So I think that's its power. And like the guys, some of the guys from, um, Adafruit moved from 1-2-3D uh, Design, which is like the simple version, to Fusion 360. And I've watched some of their videos of moving over and making that transition for 3D printing. And it does look like way more powerful. But kind of like you said, like I don't, I haven't put in the time to really learn it yet. So I can't, I can't like give it a big thumbs up saying like, yeah, this is awesome, do it. So. Okay, so uh, yeah, that's, I don't know, SketchUp's probably a good place to start. Uh another one was from by Travis. He wanted to us to walk through our typical weeks, both in front of the camera and behind the scenes. You guys interested in doing that? anybody want to go first?
1: Hmm. I'll go first go for it. my my week is just so scattered it's every single minute everything changes, and it's difficult to navigate and know exactly what I mean we've all talked about the planning of a few weeks or a few days ahead of time. I usually make my my to-do list and I I'm not good at remembering writing things down cuz I never remember to look at them. If I have my to-do list, which is just like one word things I scratch off, but typically if my week requires a couple of videos for instance to be done, I always have to submit my make videos on a Wednesday night. And so let's assume it's a week where I have to submit a make video. I'll usually film that video on a Monday or a Tuesday night and get it done and edit. And, uh, typically wake up. If it's a Monday morning, I'll get up knowing what the week looks like in my head. I'll start to draw some, some to-do lists and some of the things I know I need to get done. And lately Dave hasn't been around as consistently as he used to be only because he's busy making his own shop in uh, Queens. He's been building a shop in the building he lives in and uh, he's getting his own set of tools together. And, uh, he's also been running around. He's, you know, things are changing for him as well because of his YouTube channel. And, um, So I'll uh, take a look at the list of things I have to do. I'll go and get the materials. Usually I go and get materials real early in the morning. Last week I had to go get materials at 6 in the morning, and I I Snapchatted about my routine of going and picking up wood in the Bronx, eight miles away. It's about seven or eight miles away and about two and a half hours worth of traffic away on a typical New York City day. So that's why I at least get half of it out of the way real early in the morning. I get there in like 20 minutes. But getting home usually takes two hours because by the time I turn around traffic has begun yeah so um I could basically i'm I'm it's it's just so scattered it's hard to say i I get up mm. at about nine o'clock if it's a regular day unless I'm going to get the materials at six a.m I get up and uh I usually work until about eleven o'clock at night almost every day, but the last two hours of every evening usually consists of editing and uh I always have to remember to be here on a Tuesday. So there's a couple things in my week. I always have to make sure that I'm here on a Tuesday with you guys. I always have to make sure Tuesday at four. I always have to make sure that I submit my make video. And I always have to be at school on 12 to three on Fridays. Those are the things. And now that the spring has sprung, I'm always upstate, typically on a Saturday and a Sunday, as long as we don't have renters. So I have Monday, part of Tuesday, Sometimes all of Wednesday and sometimes all of Thursday and part of Friday. And that's how I get most of my work done within those few few bits and pieces of those few days. Hmm. And like if, if I leave the shop like I do now, like at three o'clock to come meet you guys, it's very hard for me to get back in there and get back on track uh, before. Because I also don't want to work past nine o'clock, you know, to, to spare my neighbors of some of the noise that I might make. So if I if I have a couple of hours left at the end of the day, I'll run back over to the shop before 9 or 10 o'clock, or I'll do quiet work. Lately, we've been making a lot of ice picks, so we'll do the ice pick stuff late in the day. So every week, it, it changes. It's hard to nail it down. But through it all, I'm always so picking up bits and pieces of videos. I'm always picking up, like just before I came to see you guys, my core video, making these, these CNC'd out screens, I picked up a couple of shots. So I'm always moving everything all along a little bit at a time. But uh, when I look at my week, when you lay it out, like I said, I have bits and pieces of about four days of the week. The rest of it is spent elsewhere. So that's another reason why I want to make sure lately that I I can at least shoot or get parts of videos done upstate uh, because I'm going to start spending a lot lot more of my time up there. So it's not like the weekends are completely discounted as far as being able to make videos. I want to try and at least start videos or shoot pieces of them up in the upstate shop so that I could... For instance, I just did this twisted handle. I made most of that video upstate. I finished it downstate. So, hmm.
0: how much like you know, you deal with a lot of clients and stuff in your client work. And I know that's all over the place, but do you end up spending a lot of your week like discussing design stuff and like convincing people that you, you know, Or like talking through ideas. Do you spend a lot of time in that or is it kind of, a small part? Yeah, no,
1: it is. It is my, my, and through it all, I haven't really done any public media on my, uh, my, my classroom that I'm working on. I've started working on that. I'm, I'm designing tables and the cubby holes and I brought them up in uh, the last round about we had a couple more teachers involved. So something's changed a little bit. There was a little bit of a group discussion. So something's changed. Um, we came up with a couple of new things to make, which is totally fine, just as long as everybody's happy. But uh, that that was a little involved, N- not not in a intrusive way, but you know, it's just uh, that's a bigger project with a lot of people involved. When it's a personal client, i you know, doing something for their home, we usually nail it down pretty quickly right in the beginning. They know exactly what they're going to get, and if any changes come along, I'll send some pictures and say, "Hey, wh- these are the decisions. What do you think? You like this color or this color? or Do you like this detail or this detail?" I'll give them some choices. Never too many choices. Usually it's one or the other. Never three or four. I always mm-hmm. say, do you like this or do you like this? That's it. Sometimes I make the decision myself, but if it's something I know they're going to be partic- particular about, I'll say, it's either this or it's this. I try to make it seem like there's no other choice because then all of a sudden it gets out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, my week uh, – so far today I talked to my friends at Proof Media. that give me a lot of the, the bullet bourbon stuff. I talked to them. I talked to my uh, my guy at Core 77, talking about when the video is going to be due. I'm also working on a video for 3M, so I talked to them today. You know, it's usually like text messages, sometimes a little bit of a two-minute phone call. And uh, yeah, it's just literally like minute by minute, just navigating the waters. And it's like putting fires out all the time. And it's it's really hard for me. I guess it's my fault I set it up this way. It's hard for me to really make a solid plan for the week because people know that if they call me and say, hey, do you want to do this? It's this many thousands of dollars. I go, okay, let's go do that. And then I just shift everything else around, make room for that. And uh, it's just it's just difficult for me to, to nail down a week. I did nail down. I'm going to be making a big, giant beekeeper's house, and that has hmm. to be done April 19th, 20th, and 21st. Hmm. It's going to be filmed for like a little uh, promotional piece. So I'm building that on my property upstate. That was another conversation I had today. Nailed that job down. So me and Dave are going to be doing that at the property. And then we're going to deliver it to a local property near me. My friend is renting a farm and growing a very patented specific type of uh, crop that he made. It's a pretty interesting story, I'll say for another time. But he wants to have bees there to help pollinate his crop. And he also, he's he's branding it very specific. It's like a cosmetic company. And uh, so we talked about making this cool beehive hut that he's going to, have a guy put beehives in. Nice. Yeah, so I'm going to learn about all this stuff in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be interesting.
0: So you're not making, like, the actual bee container things. You're just making a container for the containers? Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a house. It's a, yeah. it's about – it'll be about the size of a parking spot, You know, 18 by 7 or 8 feet by about 8 feet high. And I'm going to make it in pieces so when we bring it over to the property, we could, like, kind of do a barn raising. It's going to be – it's, hmm. like, part of the promotional footage she wants to see. So I'm going to design it so that it's modular, so that we could take it apart eventually later and move it again. So it uh, should be awesome. an interesting one. But yeah, the the week is just crazy. I just try and jam in as much stuff as I can, and I hardly sleep. Once <laughs> in a while, it like, catches up with me, and I sleep till like three o'clock on a day on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, cool. Yeah. So I'm Dave, sorry. What's
0: your your uh, week look like?
2: Um, in a way, it's like Jimmy's, where I'm, um it's not very structured but it's not structured in a chaotic way kind of like Jimmy's Uh, I when I first quit my job I had a very structured thing where I was going to put out a video a week and and I found that when I set all these time limits it was dictating the types of projects that I was doing and and it felt like I was working for somebody even though I was working for myself and so I kind of threw out the structure and I just go with the flow some projects take longer some take less and I just I I enjoy it more and um, so every every week is different although I'm trying to bring a little bit of structure back into it to keep me on track because when you don't have a set schedule it's really easy to just fall off the rails and and put things off and I, I find myself doing that once in a while but i've been pretty good the last the last few months actually but um you know like today like i i had a call from a family member and we just had such a good time talking like all of a sudden I was like oh an hour has passed and but my job allows me to talk to people um Family and friends, and and be flexible. And then I had a, a, an hour long call with with Rockler to talk about our future, which is going to be good. Happy about that. And then yeah. uh, this podcast. So today I didn't get a whole lot done, but I did get up nice and early and, and worked on my my project. And so it's it's just for me, it's just go with the flow. Make sure that I'm enjoying it and having fun. But if you are if you want to be a YouTuber, you probably don't want to model my business model. <laughs> <laughs> you probably want a little bit more structure.
0: <laughs> yeah i I mean it's interesting. You know, the three, we've talked about this many times. The difference in personality between the three of us, and the different methods that we have, and the different output that we have, and all this stuff. Um, it's funny. I mean i I like to have a structure just because I like to know where I'm going, and I like to know this kind of the state of things. I talked about this last week, but. Um, So my tendency would be to overstructure, and trying, I'm trying really hard not to do that. And instead of like structuring every minute or every hour or every day even, I'm trying to just build a framework. And I'm still figuring this out and I still have a long way to go. And I think it changes over time. But so I'm trying to build a framework within a week, Um, you know, and I mentioned this last week, where I can say I'm doing these things on these days that way I know just kind of generally what I need to accomplish on Monday so that Tuesday can, you know, do what it needs to do and Wednesday can do what it needs to do. and and But at the same time, like you said, I'm trying to keep in the flexibility, trying to keep in the priority within that structure to, like, if I need to stop in the middle of my day and go to my kid's school and watch them do a play or something, then th- that's a huge priority. I need to do that. So I can't be so structured that, you know, that, or like lunch with a friend who needs to have lunch. Those things need to happen. So I'm trying to uh, make sure that I keep flexible enough to be able to do that stuff and and enjoy my days and enjoy my life and enjoy the fact that I get to do this for a living, you know, because it's pretty amazing. But I think in general, I've kind of settled into lately, um, I am treating Monday and Tuesdays as shop time. Those are the days that are like dedicated to, you know, shooting things and building things. And then Wednesday is also kind of like that, but it's a live stream day. So the morning is preparation for the live stream, getting everything ready so that the show is smooth. And then the show is a couple hours long. And then after a live stream of like two, two and a half hours, I'm exhausted. It wipes me out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if everybody's that way, but man, I just, I just want to like sit down and not do anything. You
1: know, me. a large part of that is the mental anxiety. You know, that, yeah. that definitely takes a toll on your physical yeah, It makes you feel like, oof. I mean, I know after I finish class, sometimes I want to just go lay down and take a nap. Right. You know when I talk for a solid three hours?
0: Yeah, it's like when you're just on, you're attentive for yeah. a big, long period of time, whatever that is. Yeah. So I'm still getting used to that. I mean, I've only done a handful of those. But, you know, So and then uh, Thursday and Friday, I try to keep a little more open-ended. And hopefully they become shop days. But a lot of times that's like I try to schedule sponsor calls and podcast interviews and things like that that I do, I try to schedule those for the end of the week, Thursday and Friday, so that, you know, those days are a little more open. And then if we travel, we're always going to travel on a Friday, so I try to not schedule a lot of stuff that so that we have the flexibility to go out of town for the weekend and, you know, that type of stuff. But the editing and the, you know, podcast, like the podcast recording is the same day every week, but like the podcast posts and the web posts and all these different things that's all just kind of fit in wherever I can make it work within that loose structure. That's kind of what my week looks like.
2: Yeah. I We're probably all somewhat similar in the fact that we're never not working We're, yeah. you know, you're constantly thinking of the next project or how to solve the, the current problem or your social media, you're answering emails or you're working on the website. Like I, I enjoy it. Almost every aspect of what I do, like I am so lucky to be in my in my position. Um, but I, I like I'm on the computer up until two a.m. when I go to bed, you know, working on working on things, and I, I just enjoy it so much that I've had um, family say, you know, you shouldn't work all the time. I'm like, I love working all the time. This yeah. is this is my life. This is what I love to do.
0: Yeah, I think the only you know problem there is if it's like overtaking time that you would be using for something else but if it's like you know this is my time to yeah. answer an email and keep up on things and you know move what i'm doing ahead i mean that's that's a different and of, thing
2: so. and of course family always comes first right but right you know even if it's funny like we don't watch a lot of television but there are certain shows that we do watch like couple times a week and i'm still like we're watching the show and i have my my laptop out or my phone out or the yeah. tablet and uh, I'm, I'm taking care of business and multitasking
0: yeah there's a we have shows that we watch too and there's like half the shows i'll do that in and the other half are the ones that i really want to pay attention to <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, we're watching daredevil tonight okay laptops down you know this is like a good one so <laughs>
1: um
0: yeah so our weeks are probably crazy and everybody's weeks are different based on you know, what you have going on. You know, lately Um, it's
1: funny on that, another conversation based on that thought is I've been thinking, and uh, I I don't know how reality, how much this is in reality, but I've been kind of contemplating the idea of just only making videos and never taking a client job. I mean, it's just a fantasy at this point, because I would literally be turning away tens of thousands of dollars. But the thought is, is do I want to do I want to become basically a TV channel production company, which is a great thought, you know, TV, as in YouTube TV. Um, So I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about the idea of that because these little client jobs that I do are the things that keep me off of YouTube. Some things are just not worth filming. Some things are just complicated to film. And the ones that obviously lately are all the signs I've been making, but it's, um, it's a thought. It's a consideration. So it's something I've been thinking yeah. about.
2: I found in my life that you'll know you know what you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. because you can't stop thinking about it. If all, right. all you ever think about is like I just want to make these YouTube videos and not take on client projects anymore. That's probably what you should be doing because that's where your, your heart is and that's where your passion is.
0: Do and you like, think there's a like a, a gradual you know, track you can take to get there. Like, could you say like, I'm only going to take X number of projects or X number of dollar amount worth of projects a month or something like that to kind
1: of, well, I want what I my, say, wean
0: w- yourself off of yeah. the income, but you know,
1: no, I know it's, it's the difficult thing is my personal channel is waning. So um, one thing I've been also trying to see if I could stick to is I, I never miss, I never miss uh, a video for my two clients. I could, pull videos from them and just give them only to myself, or I can just give myself a deadline that I, that I have to absolutely meet as if it's a client job. So I'm trying to think of a couple of ways of doing it so that my channel gets a regular feed, just like my two clients. Hmm. Like I said, I mean, a lot of people like, why do you put videos on those other two guys? I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, as long as everyone's seeing my content, I'm happy. But you know, it, it, it does take away from my own channel, which I'm also trying to grow. Because at the yeah. end of the day, my channel is is my channel; and it's nobody else's. So, yeah, I got I got to work it out. It's something I'm thinking about.
0: Yeah, I, I, a lot of people who create content are in that same position where they're like, you know, you want to diversify to a point because you want to be able to reach more people. Yeah. But then, if you do that too much or too often or for too long, then you you hurt the potential that you have for like bringing people to you. You know, yeah. They're, they're going to go to core or they're going to go to make to see your stuff rather than going to you. Right. And, you know, I don't know, there's no answer to that. I don't think for yeah. anybody, it's just. Uh,
1: At the end of, of the day, things. I mean, I'm still building my fan base because when I spoke with the the people over the weekend and, you know, they mentioned projects from each one of those mm. those venues and no one said, you know, it's all from me. So, right. I mean, that's, that's the good underlying thing. That's not wrong. But like I said, my, my own personal channel just needs a little bit more attention and uh it's yeah. just a matter of time you know there's an ebb and flow sometimes i'm able to put up a video every single week and now it's it's just i've been having a t- tough time i have been put up too many weird videos so now like i have to put up a straight build video next can't do any can't put a nice pick video up and dave and i are going to do a shop update you know i have to wait till i put up something that i actually make before i do a shop update video right
0: yeah it's funny when you when like life gets busy and you're working all the time but then if you put out a certain number of videos with that are not build videos, yeah. you know, it, it's like, did it, you stop making like, stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get that weird reaction, even though in the background you're like, no, this is the thing I did in between making stuff just to be able to have a video, you know? But um, yeah, that happens to me a lot. Anytime I do like the maker one Oh one videos or any of my <laughs> vlog style videos, I have to be sure to space those out pretty yeah, far.
1: Absolutely. You
0: get that kind of negative reaction.
1: Yep. Absolutely. So, well, that's it. We'll see what happens. It's just time will tell. So we got another
0: one we'll move on to, and then we'll wrap the show up. But this one was from Josh. Um, And he said, if you had to give a new employee one audition project to assess his skills in several disciplines, what would you have them make? I thought about this quite a bit, and I honestly have no idea.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I I had some experience with a couple of uh, interns in the last couple of months, in the last couple of years. And, the simple, like when they first come around, you don't know them. It's like you don't know what to expect from them. I always send them on a couple of tasks and I give them a credit card or some cash and say, go pick this up, go pick that up, go get my mail, go do that. And the, the interns that I did have in the last couple of years have been amazing because without me prompting them, I say, go buy a string of lights. And then I get a phone call. Well, they have these many strings of lights. These are the choices. And it's not like a panic, like, well, I don't know what you want. He's basically saying... These are the various ones. I know you said this, but this is a better option. You know, doing like an educated option. When someone goes and does exactly what you ask, it's okay, but it's nice when they go that extra mile. Like uh, I remember asking my intern, Matt, last year to go pick me up a hard drive. And I gave him $200 in cash. And he comes back and he goes, I bought this. is more than you expected. And it was only $75. And he, he made an educated decision based on, you know, much more information than I know. He's a young kid and he seems to be more hip on the computer scene. But that, and then also the organizational skills, which I lack, you know, so I'll say organize that. And then if they do a horrible job organizing it, then I know that that's limited in their ability. But if it's a more skilled person, which I don't, I mean, besides Dave, I don't really employ too often. But if if I wanted to assess somebody's skills, I said it before we started, I would give them something like a picture frame from raw stock, you know, like maybe rough cut stock, say, make a picture frame with a little bit of detail in it and, you know, to do a rabbit cut or a dado cut or uh, bevels and 45 degree joining and that kind of thing, you know, or, or something as simple as like a tabletop, say here's a couple of planks, make a tabletop out of it. How would you join it? These are the tools available to you. You know, simple stuff like that and how people approach a simple project like that can definitely demonstrate a lot of skills, clamping mm-hmm. skills. You know, I see people clamp things only on one side with the clamps all across one side. You know without any uh battens, you know you can actually clamp things from alternate to clamps one side to the other, and you know somebody like that would show some experience
0: hmm.
1: you know so there's there's a lot of just the subtleties is something to look out for too, just the subtleties of like how anybody does anything
0: that's interesting that you said about um you know just saying to go get something non specific and then seeing what they come back with. It would be interesting to do that same kind of thing with, like, a tabletop. Like you said, like, don't say, I want a tabletop with breadboard ends and this Mm -hmm. and this. Just be like, I want a tabletop. Here's some wood. Because then you're drawing out, like, several things out of them. Like, Mm -hmm. how the methods they're going to use, like, the skills, Mm -hmm. also their design skills and the way that they look at, Mm -hmm. in their mind, the conversion of, like, raw stock to a final design that they've come up with. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's not just as much a... A skill thing. It's more of like a overall assessment. Yeah,
1: or or like make a make a make a table out of one sheet of plywood, for instance. How would you mm. do that? And what are wh- how would you approach that? And managing. You know, it's funny. I, I always make this joke when I teach my students. I say, "Here's a, a raw sheet of here's a raw here's a, a stock sheet of plywood, raw stock. Whether it's a sheet of vinyl, a yard of vinyl, or whether it's a sheet of plywood." And I see students draw a square right in the middle, and I go, "What are you doing?" Go, oh, I'm gonna. I need a. I need a piece of my book cover. I'm like, "Why are you drawing it right in the middle? Are you gonna make a? You know, are you gonna poke your face through the hole? What are you doing?" Oh no, that's the size of my book cover. I'm like, "Okay, so now you've just isolated. You've just eliminated the possibility of doing anything else with all this other material. Mm. If you're gonna do something that's square and you're gonna use a giant square piece of stock, start it right off of the factory corner of your material." And then I I get the, like, oh, my God, I never would have thought of that. That's so simple. I go, now you only have to cut two sides. You don't have to cut four sides. And you haven't wasted the entire piece of material you just complained about having to buy because you're a student.
0: Yeah. (laughs) My seven-year-old does that, too. Like, (laughs) I'm going to cut out a dinosaur out of the center of a huge piece of construction
2: paper.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, ah! You could get 20 dinosaurs out of that paper if you would just move to the edge. And the funny thing, too, is that you see, I'm picturing a little kid. It, like as if he's swimming in a pool, he starts all the way at the edge of the paper with the scissors and swims towards the object as yep. opposed to like <laughs> nipping a little hole in a fold and then starting there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So seeing the way people approach materials like that is really important to see their workflow. I'll tell you, I've worked on a lot of uh, TV shows with professionals. I actually used to work on this DIY show a lot called blog cabin and I'm not going to rat anybody out, but there's a lot of people out there that think they know what they're doing that absolutely don't know anything. And hmm. I said, I was on a couple of episodes where there were other celebrity builders there, and I'm like, why don't you do that? And they're like, oh, well, well, because I never thought of doing that. Oh, my God, you're a genius. I'm like, I'm not a genius. It's just a matter of experience. It's like, oh, why don't you, well, before you do that, why don't you do that? Oh, I, I don't know why. I just never did it. I have no idea why I never did it, because I just don't know better. And that's, hmm. those are some of the answers I got. Um, yeah, so it's just interesting to see how anybody approaches something. I mean, we're all showing our skills constantly. So the world knows what we're doing. But when you're on it, when you show up on like a build set with a couple of new carpenters that aren't, you know, YouTube carpenters, it's just interesting to see how people approach stuff. And I'm not saying it's bad. it's, It's just different. You might look at somebody do something, you go, wow, that's incredible. I never would have thought to do that. You know, so you pick up skills when you work with people that you've never worked with, just as well as you watch people do the most absurd things like a dinosaur in the middle of a piece of plywood and cut it off with scissors. <laughs> so. huh.
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, in, in that type of thing, you're also um, – by gauging what they're doing and how they're like getting to the final idea, you're also probably going to see like, the humility. I just thought of that when you said, you know, these people are like, oh, I don't know, I just never did do right. that. Right. Somebody who has no humility is going to be like, oh, I did it this way because that's the way that you're supposed to do it. But <laughs> not be like, Oh, I just never thought of that. Now I've learned something new. And if somebody says that, you know, you're seeing them like learning and they're not taking it as a pride thing or, you know, whatever. So, and that, that if you're hiring somebody to be an employee, that's a pretty huge deal. It's like, are you going to be able to get along with this person? Like no matter how skilled they are, yeah. If they're awful to work with. That's true.
1: That's know. right. If you give them some you say, "Oh, look, you know, this is the easier approach," and if they get a little weird about it and upset and embarrassed, that's, that's definitely something to be like, "Hey, dude, I'm just trying to save us all time." Yeah. You know, as opposed to being like, "Oh, wow, that's great." I'm like, "Let me show you some more stuff. Come on, let's hang out." Yeah. Uh, we
0: ran into that a lot when I was hiring the company I used to run. Um, you know, and there were different departments. Right? There was like coding, which I was kind of in charge of. There were design, there were project management people, and then there were you know, more sales type, whatever. And so I could go into a meeting with different people that we were gonna hire, and I would have a very different uh, set of things that I was looking for in a person from a coding perspective. And there were several people, and I say that versus somebody who was coming in for a design job, I couldn't ask the right questions, you know, to to get the right answers for to see if they were worth working in design. But for coding, I could. Now there were several people that came in, and I could just tell right off the bat, super intelligent people, extremely skilled in what they, and they would do a great job producing the work that we need them to do, but completely impossible to work with. And you right. can tell that right off the bat, you know, right. just from like seeing somebody do some work. And a lot of times when you're hiring coders, not everybody does this, but a lot of companies have um, kind of like coding problems. And part of the interview process is that you give them coding problems to see how they solve the problem and how long it takes them and how responsive they are. And, you know, and sometimes with coders, you see like, oh, this person is lighting up because they have a new problem to solve. And other times it's like, oh, I have to do more work just to get this job. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't want that guy. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, you know the thing itself, like the problem is one thing, but how they react to the fact that they have to solve a problem is something else. So, you
1: know, you just you reminded know. me of an interesting subject. Uh, there, from time to time, you end up working with new people and all, you know, what we do and anytime. And then when you brainstorm with them, it's also another little bit of, a, of an interview process when you brainstorm with somebody hmm. new. You guys have a brainstorm with someone that absolutely doesn't hear anything you say? And you know, your ideas are 50 times better than theirs. And they just keep wanting their ideas to be in front. It's like, it's like more of a horse race right. than a collaboration. <laughs> I've dealt with that recently a couple times and it's just like, all right, I'll never talk to this guy about these things again. Just because it's not a collaboration. It's a like, oh, I want to, you know, it's like a competition. It's a a flexing your muscles. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know. And then and the other thing too is when you brainstorm with somebody that's done stuff, uh, uh, that that's brainstorming about things that you know are already on the market they're like oh wouldn't it be cool if there was like a stick with like like a like a big paintbrush that you like you sweep up dust with I'm like yeah that's a broom It'd make a <laughs> so just like brainstorming with something that just doesn't have the wherewithal to like research the market that they're brainstorming huh. with that. that's a
0: little bit more like
1: my product development side but
0: if they don't know what a broom is don't hire them yeah that
1: guy just did not that. get hired <laughs> <laughs>
2: but for me oh, when i got my last job at the ad agency that i worked for for 9 years i didn't know what i was doing but they took a chance on me and i love that and it's so if when i when it comes time for me to hire somebody they don't necessarily have to know how to do something but i want to see that they're excited about learning and they have ambition and and you know like you guys said easy to work with of course And hopefully I get to this point. Hopefully I get to hire somebody someday. And what I will hire somebody for is to do web stuff for me, to do the web post. And my first task for them is going to be, okay, I just finished this video for this desk. Your job to get this desk and the plans up on the website. And I want to see if they take charge and just do it. I want to see, I don't want, because the reason I'm hiring somebody to do something is because I don't want to do that. And I don't want to take the time to do that anymore. So I want them to do it without asking me questions and just getting it up there. And that's, that's what I'm going to look for. And how well was it done? Did they take a look at the previous post? Did they see that it's, uh, it's consistent with everything else that I've done? And it's attention to detail. Mm-hmm. When you, when you go to school for graphic design, presentation and attention to deep my cat is yelling at me
1: he's saying the plans uh, aren't ready and he i'm wants, sorry <laughs> he wants
2: the job <laughs> yeah. the plans uh,
1: are ready for publication can i show them to you no, look at so
2: it. <laughs> um so it's a uh, college it was, it was all about like your how you presented your work and how you mattered it and framed it or whatever it was just as important as the work itself and i want to I, I would look for that are they are they consistent are they focused on the details Easy to work with, and excited to learn new things.
1: That's uh, that's interesting. It reminds me of a couple of things, which is sort of related to what we're talking about. When I ask my students to present homework, and we look at the homework, and they show me like a clay figurine that they made, that's on like a wet, wrinkly piece of cardboard. I always go right away. I'm like, okay, this is a beautiful sculpture, a nice attempt. And the wrinkly cardboard relates to what exactly? And go, oh well, I just didn't know what else to put it on. I said. Don't underestimate the fact that every single thing you present is going to be absorbed and judged by whoever you're trying to show it to, whether it's an employee, a potential employee, or a client, or somebody you're just sharing your thoughts with. Make sure that everything has a purpose and a reason when you when you present your portfolio or a piece of work. You know, just because you built it on this cruddy piece of of corrugated cardboard doesn't mean it has to stay on there. Pop it off. Find a nice piece of presentation board or something. And, you know, mm-hmm. make every little thing matter. And uh, so I always joke yeah. with my students. I say, you know, if I go, why is this yellow? And they go, well, because it was the only color piece of cardboard I found in the garbage. I say, no, you say it's yellow because that was the, the mood that you wanted to present. I say, make up a fib; but no one cares. No one's going to know the truth. So if anybody asks you a question about stuff, and that leads me to my other thing, when my brother and I used to look at portfolios all the time when we had our product development business, my brother Joseph and I had a toy development company. We would constantly look at portfolios of you know, new, new, newly graduated kids showing us the stuff that they did. And, you know, a lot of guys left school with a portfolio that had either schoolwork or collaborative work from other students. And my brother would just look at a picture, wouldn't say whether it was good or bad. He would just say, tell me exactly what you did in this picture. Because it would be a photograph of a 3D prototype or whatever. And they would say, well, either I came up with the idea or I, I glued the plastic together or I just painted it. Or um, I was one of six people and I, and I just took the photograph. But it's funny when someone shows you a portfolio, when you actually say to them, okay, what exactly did you do here? Tell me exactly what you did. Someone's yelling in my hallway. I apologize for that. Tell me exactly, that's my cat. <laughs> tell me exactly what you did here. And, you know, that's when you really, because they go, oh, this is a product collaboration. And, the, and then, you know, you, you find out that they didn't do anything. They just took the photograph <laughs> and it's a cool product. You know, I, I don't think today people can lie the way they used to about what they, what's in their portfolio because you can go back and look at, especially in the maker community, everyone's so willing to share their steps. So you know, everyone's personal media's got you know. If you look at someone's Instagram, a lot of times you see makers in this community show you know, the raw piece you know through the few of the steps. But you know, when you look at someone's portfolio and you ask them to break down exactly what part they had and what they're showing you you know, something like a product development or or a toy business where it's very collaborative, you start to find out exactly what they're good at. You know, and Mm. and not to say that they're lying, but, you know, if it's a collaborative effort and they take amazing photographs and that's what they're showing you, or they have great concepts, they could say, I just thought of the idea, somebody else made it. And the idea is so strong. You're like, wow, I don't care who made it. That's such an an amazingly strong, good idea. You obviously don't have the technical ability to execute it, but come hang out. We need you for our brainstorms, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, we'll, I like
2: that you know? question that you ask because it also you can you can see their excitement yeah. or how they feel about it. You know, yeah,
1: yeah. And like I said, it's not it's not an interrogation. Although you know, if you if you were being questioned by my brother, it certainly feels that way. But it's like a let me let me distill what skills you have right now. Right. You know, so yeah. I know how to use
0: you. So one thing you said that um, is pretty interesting. You know since we and a lot of people that make things post so many progress pictures on so much social media now, it's interesting that, you know, all that can become your portfolio. If you go into model making and you want to get a job with some model making house, or you want to get a job in construction, and you've been doing all this stuff, you know, for however long, um, not that you would probably want to go into an interview and be like, hey, or check out my Instagram account. But You have documented stuff. And and if you're doing, if you're documenting, you know, for whatever reason on social media, you have all that backlog of stuff to go back to versus, you know, when I was in high school looking at going to art college, I had to fake a bunch of art to take pictures of to make a portfolio. I mean, not fake it, but I had to like generate art for the specific reason of creating a portfolio
2: to get into college. I had to do that to get a job. I had to make a bunch of fake websites To get my first web development job.
0: Yeah. I did kind of the same thing with uh, my demo reel. Like we're supposed to end college with a a video reel, you know, of work and stuff. But I chose to do more interactive-based things. And there's no way to, you know, create a video output of these different interactive things. So in my portfolio class my last quarter, I told my professor this. And he said, yeah, I totally understand. But, you know, to finish this class your last class you have to have a reel so spend this quarter creating some fake stuff and just you know craft a reel because the point of this is being able to make a presentation it's not about the work it's about presentation just like you guys were saying earlier so i spent a quarter creating little 5 and 10 second snippets of these fake motion graphics projects you know and i just i would and i learned a ton from it and that's probably a lot to do with how i got into video now is just being forced to like, okay, I did that little technique for 10 seconds. Now I have to do something different so that it makes sense in the context of a reel. You know, I'm trying to have this broad uh, perspective of stuff. And so I learned a lot of different video methods just from being forced into that situation. But anyway, my point was now with all the the social media posting and how how integrated everything is and, and how quickly everyone is to share everything, for better or for worse... Um, we have kind of an instant portfolio of stuff, you know, um, that we can look back on and show off. And anyway, so that's kind of interesting, but I just thought of that from what you were saying. Um, you guys got anything else on this topic? Should probably wrap that up.
2: I think it's why we all have a a style to our videos is because it's, it's all about that presentation of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're looking for that right camera angle. We're, we're looking for the the right graphics and, and the branding and all that. It all makes sense why why we do what we do now. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yep. Attention to um, detail. It's important. Yeah, and and
0: the, and the details. I'll just continue on the the details. I think are so specific to what you're trying to get across because the details that I think are important are not the same ones that both of you guys think are important and vice versa because. Yep every single person is trying to get to a different result and the details Mm -hmm. are what build that result. And, um, I, I, we all probably get a lot of emails from people asking about making videos and they, I get a lot sending me their first video saying like, what do you think about this? And my response to that is always like, awesome. I'm so glad you tried this and that you did it. And I, I don't know how yet to say this in a way that sounds positive, but like, what are you trying to get across is what I want to say. Like, The fact that you did it is awesome. So I don't know how to judge this or give you positive or, you know, give you realistic feedback because I don't know exactly what you were trying to accomplish with it. And I think that's an important thing to know to a degree, you know, because then you know, like, which details are actually important. Is it, is it measurements? Is that important? Is it, uh, being able to clearly see things, being able to clearly understand the voiceover, you know, like everybody's different. Everybody has a different goal. So, Mm -hmm. Um, all right, cool. So let's uh, talk about what we're watching. What
1: are you guys know. watching?
2: Uh, so this really, really old YouTube channel called Scam School. Oh, uh, yeah, I,
1: I, I subscribe to them.
2: Yeah. Uh, I've been watching this guy's videos even before I knew YouTube existed. He used to have a iTunes video podcast. And it's all like, it's like card tricks and bar tricks and stuff. Um, there's 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 lately i've seen some like making type things and, and it's just a it's a really fun channel uh the host is, has a show that's been um like trending on netflix for a while now i forget what the show is called um hacking the system is what the netflix show is called it's by national geographic and uh, it's been on the front page of our Netflix account for weeks now. But that's a good show. And also his YouTube channel, Scam Schools. Lots of fun videos. Nice.
1: Uh I'm the not, original gangsters. I'm not on. I don't have a specific channel to pitch, but I have a search for everyone to try. Because uh, mm. I had actually hung out with Nick this morning for a few minutes before he did the NPR radio station. So he had like a window on his way. He stopped at the shop. And he handed me a little pocket knife that he had made for all his friends. And he says, "How do you think they put the graphics on here?" And I said, "Well, in my opinion, it looks like it's done hydro, by Hydrographics." And he said, "What is Hydrographics?" So I googled Hydrographics on YouTube, and he was completely amazed. He had never seen how Hydrographics work. Do You guys know how Hydrographics work, or what that is? Sounds nope. familiar, but I—if no, you guys I like not. take a look at like the fairing of a motorcycle, and it has carbon fiber texture on it, or the rim of a car that has a like, carbon fiber texture on it, or. The, the fender of a, of a Polaris quad is all covered with camo, but it's like photographic camo. And how do you apply a photograph to a surface that has 15 different angles? Oh, I know what this is. Yeah, so hydrographics. So I would just suggest everyone just take a good look at Google hydrographics or water graphics. Uh, yes. Or dip. Dip graphics, mm, mm. and it's just I really see cool. I guitars done like this. Yeah, so yeah. it's just it's like a it's just another YouTube rabbit hole for everyone to go down. I don't have a specific <laughs> channel because there's so many guys that do it, but it's definitely worth taking a look at and adding that to your vocabulary. Nice. Well, that's awesome. That's it. I didn't um, know
2: that. This, that's what it was called.
1: Yeah, I didn't either.
0: But I have seen that. In fact, I've it, seen videos on like how to do it before.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. There, anybody can do it if you buy the right paper to print on. You could do a little version of it.
0: Awesome. Um, So I got two things here. Um, Typing one of them in right now so I don't forget it. Um, So one is just a really funny Twitter account. Today uh, Star Wars came out on Blu-ray. I don't know you guys don't care, but I do, and (laughs) I'm excited about it. Um, But anyway, that made me think of there's a Twitter account that I've been following lately called at DadJokeHanSolo, and it's basically... Han Solo making dad jokes every day, (laughs) and they're really funny. (laughs) Anyway, so if you like that type of stuff, go check that out. There's a bunch of really funny Twitter accounts based on Star Wars now that came out after the the movie. There's like um, I should start one. Yeah, you should. People would love that. Um, There's one that's like emo Kylo Ren, which is like the main bad guy. He's like a young guy. Um, I don't know. There's there's a whole bunch of them, but so emo is not really
1: part of his real name, right? That's the Twitter name. That's the Twitter joke. It's just
0: like him. It's him being all mopey, right? And you know, yeah, because he wears black and has a lightsaber and eats everything. Um. Anyway, so there's a bunch of those, but the dad joke Han Solo one is is really funny. Um. The other thing, I saw a video today just came out, and so I don't know if you guys are familiar with like all the virtual reality stuff that's been launched in the past week or so. But VR has been like you know up and coming for a long time, and people talk about how big it's gonna be and ever the stuff. Well, a bunch of hardware just got released, which are like the goggles and is that the is that the Samsung stuff
1: or, or different ver- or all different manufacturers? Uh,
0: there's a bunch of different manufacturers. Oh. Yeah. That's one of them. Because I um, experimented
1: with the Samsung stuff at the store.
0: Yeah. So that's that's one of them. There's like HTC. I don't know all the brands. And it's not really Oh <laughs> look at Oh, look at that. David's
2: oh, got one. Oh my
0: god. Is that for Crazy. the Samsung? Is that the Samsung one? Yeah. Yes.
2: VR Gear. The, uh, yeah, the Gear VR. Powered by Oculus. Nice. Oh, wow. It's Kelly's. I should. She'll listen to it, and she'll be like, you can't claim that as yours.
0: It's <laughs> Kelly's. <laughs> um, so there's a bunch of different hardware that's come out. There's been some, like, um, Will Smith from Tested, used to be on Tested.com. He just released a new, like, talk show that's all in VR. Some oh, really that's, the guy, stuff, that's the guy we him?
1: hung out with in, in Chicago? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. a cool guy. Yeah,
0: yeah. good guy. Um, and... So he released a new show, and there, anyway, a bunch of VR stuff. But it's one of those things that, like, I personally have never used it. So I've never used an Oculus. I don't know have any of this hardware, and so I don't really have a good grasp on like how good things have gotten as to what you think VR would be and what it actually is. Anyway, so this video came out today, and I don't even remember who created it. I'll put a link to it, but it's basically they took um, some people with VR goggles on, and then they put them in a green screen room and then they replace the green screen with the what they're actually seeing in there. So it's almost like you are watching the VR with that person in the room that they are seeing in VR, you know? So it's more what they're seeing, which gives you a totally different perspective, me anyway, on what VR looks like as a user and what the potential is and how insane the graphics are now and all this stuff. And it just really changed my mind about like the potential for that as a platform for stuff. So I don't know. I'll put a link. You guys can watch it and tell me what you think of it. But
1: I, I went on was, a roller coaster ride at the Samsung shop, and you sit in a chair, and the chair just kind of rocks slightly in the directions that the visuals moving, hmm. and you really feel like you're on a roller coaster. It's amazing. And while yeah. you're on the roller coaster, you could like any way you look, you're seeing something different. So right. depending upon who's looking in what direction, all five or seven of us in the seat have a different perspective. Because we look in any direction, we see something different. It's, it is pretty incredible.
0: One of the things in this video that really got me, and it's right at the beginning, is there's a guy standing. So they have the controllers. Each There's a controller in each hand. And they their motion has a lot to do with what is happening within this VR world. So the people have these goggles on, and they can't see anything outside the goggle, right? But the controllers are represented in what they're seeing. So this guy's standing there with the goggles on, and somebody else throws him a controller. His eyes are covered up, and he catches the controller. Oh. And that's when I was like, oh wow. <laughs> this is this is like far more precise and more, you know, Wait, close you mean to he reality. threw it to him
1: inside of the VR world, but in real life? No, no, world? no.
0: No, in the in the room, the physical room, a guy threw a physical controller to another guy with goggles on, covering his eyes, and he caught it. And then started doing VR stuff. So that just gave me a little more perspective what on happened? how what, what happened? <laughs> just watch the video. <laughs> you know, it's just, wait. it's far higher so wait, resolution in real time. They than could I have thought.
1: taken all their goggles off and been in the same environment without the goggle. Just watch the video. Okay. It'll make a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to try
0: to explain it anymore, but yeah, the VR stuff is interesting and it'll be cool to see where it goes, you know, and uh, how it affects like, you know, cause I mean, it could have implications for what we do down the road, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But um, it's, I like technology, and it's new technology.
1: Very cool. Hey, uh, yeah. i just like to promote one thing so I don't forget because I keep forgetting. And now that we're in the month of April, I'm going to be at the Green Conference, uh, the Gulf Coast Green Conference. I sent you guys the link to it. Um, if you could put it in the show notes. It's uh, the Gulf, yeah. Gulf Coast Green 2016 AIA Houston Gulf Coast Green Symposium and Expo. And I will be wow. doing a keynote speech there about uh, – Sustainability, art and design. So I'll be doing Q and A there as well. So awesome. that.
0: What city is that in?
1: That's in Houston, and that's at the end of the month. That's April twenty. I think the day I speak is April twenty eighth. It's on a Thursday oh. morning. Awesome. So, in Houston. Um, yeah.
0: Well, before we go, I one thing I meant to say this earlier when we were talking about Patreon and. Uh, you know we always talk about patreon and we are very grateful for the support that we get there but I got a note from somebody this week saying uh, something to the effect of like I don't remember exactly how he said it but it was like I support you on patreon but we've had some stuff change in our family and I'm gonna have to cut off you know and he was like apologizing for the fact that he couldn't continue to support us via patreon and I I just want to say for all three of us that we are grateful for any support we get but we don't at all, feel like we are owed that support or you know if things change and you can't do it anymore or you don't want to do it anymore that please don't feel like that's like a problem for us or you have to yes. apologize or anything like that agreed i don't want anybody to feel that way um like i said we're grateful for any support m- money-wise or, or otherwise you know just sharing all that stuff is meaningful but i really don't want anybody feeling obligated to to do anything for us so well set. yep yeah for real cool for reals. All right. For real, well, that's real. it. For <laughs> My just <laughs> <laughs> Cool. See you guys next week.
1: Bye. Yeah. Love. Yeah. I was waiting for you guys to take it over. It's three of us. I. It's your. It's your thing. Two four. Is it one? One four three. The Howard Stern fans out there will know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about.
2: I'm so confused. I'll leave it at that. Oh, man.
0: (laughs) And cut.